Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Level Up Watches The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is the spinoff of the Level Up and Friends podcast, where those of us from the comic book store and video game store Level Up Entertainment in Mays Landing and soon to be Summers Point, New Jersey, uh, get together with some friends and watch the latest in pop culture entertainment. And this is covering the Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Spoilers. Uh, we are going through episode four. If you have been watching the series, you'll kind of get the gist of it by now. Um, I'm Harry, and I am joined by uh, Kendall once again. Welcome back. Hello. And of course, of course. And the the only man to try to challenge the Dora Milaje uh, and lose uh, multiple times. Marvelous Mike, welcome back. I, I'm a little upset right now. I thought this was a Frasier podcast, and, and it turns out that, that it's not. And and I I was told there wasn't another Frasier podcast going on, and I think I'm going to be much more suited for that one. Uh, we'll see if they'll bring that back. That was last week's uh, Level Up and Friends uh, episode that was recorded. Unfortunately, I think all the invitations were sent out, and yours was uh, lost in the mail. So. I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset. Uh, maybe maybe they'll bring it back you know and and become a more regular series but that that's not this show this is the falcon and the winter soldier something completely different than than fraser i think although maybe some of the characters in the show could use fraser or niles's services we'll get to that, <laughs> that later that uh before we do that kendall we have not seen you in a couple weeks so uh since that time a lot has happened um what are your thoughts on you know where this show is right now and uh, you get to meet the glory of Zemo and all the craziness that has happened since then. Um, yeah, I mean, episode three was uh, really dense. Um, going to Madripoor was cool. It was cool to see that, you know, kind of realized on the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I feel like uh, I have a stack of x-men comics where they're just like oh we're going to madripoor for whatever reason whenever they gotta do some shady stuff um so it was really cool to see that zemo has been um it's been pretty entertaining um but you know he he's real good uh at reminding you that he's a bad man <laughs> as uh the, as we found towards the end of episode three. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then that, the way we ended episode three, that was, uh, was not expecting that. But, Wakanda, yeah. this is its way back into the show here, the back in the MCU, that was really exciting. Let's see. Yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, before we get into the uh, continuance of that storyline, uh, Marvelous Mike, you have a Marvel uh, Lego or item for us this week? I do. Yes, I do. Last week, I tried to have my Easter candy of the week because we were running low on Legos. Uh, and, and that went over about as well as, as you would think. Um, so we do have this. This is it. I got nothing else. I have to get plenty of Legos. This is the last Marvel Lego. Lego of the week, and it is the Battle of the Avengers Tower oh, that we have here. Very nice. We have Iron Man in, in many different uh, poses. Uh, we have Red Skull down here. Uh, Black Widow is actually, she's over there, back, in, back on the She's Blitz. getting ready for her uh, solo movie. 
<laughs> and if you see here, we do have we have uh, Thanos's uh, Infinity Stones and and his his glove, and uh, and it sits on my Lego ledge. And uh, it actually because I needed you know a little more touch of class to it. I have a a Grover uh, acting <laughs> as King Kong that that attacks. Uh, the tower, and that is actually how it sits on the ledge. Uh, okay, well, I know Disney owns a lot of franchises. I don't know if that is a crossover that could not, happen no, yet. No, does but... not own Sesame Street. <laughs> it owns the Muppets, but not not the Sesame Street Muppets. So that is, this has been your Lego Marvel Marvel Lego of the week. Well, you've got a week to go buy yourself another set and uh, put it together. Yeah, you know, for that's our, no problem for with me. I got them boxed up in the closet. For right episode right. five. <laughs> let's uh, let's see it. So I've been. By the uh, way, I thought I was going to be underdressed tonight. So I just want to thank you, Harry, again, making me feel like the best dressed man in the room. No problem. I'm representing Rutgers Law this week. So, uh, you know, as as we may uh, need to uh, have some litigation going on here in this in this episode, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, somebody may need an attorney. Um, I like to throw some Easter eggs in the background of my Zoom uh, box. So uh, I want to show the crowd here. I'll, I'll describe it for the uh, audio listeners. But this is Sam Wilson, Captain America, issue 13 of uh, the comic book run. And uh, Sam Wilson is facing off against a, a very familiar looking uh, foe here. We have a uh, John Walker uh, with his shield going up to attack uh, Sam uh, in this issue. So I'm just going to throw that in the background. Uh, you know, just a little Easter egg, maybe something we might see later. I, we don't know, but that's uh, that's your comic background for the week. With what are that, the characters to your to your writing? characters. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple of Captain Americas back here. Uh, you know, they're from the Disney Infinity series. Oh, oh yes, I have. I could use those next week. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got Sam and Bucky uh, oh. in their Funko Pop forms. So uh, a little bit of background for the for the video audience. All right. Episode four, the world is watching. And um, before we get into it, I was told that Marvelous Mike, you have a little bit of historical perspective for the title of the episode that you wanted to share with the audience. Yes, I think, but it really goes to the last scene of of the uh, of the show. So I don't know if we should save that. Okay, all right, we'll, the we'll, end. we'll, we'll but come I do back. Have to it. a nice historic, very uh, timely historical tie-in. Okay. Uh, so we open the episode with. Uh, it actually doesn't open. At the moment we left off in, in episode two, it opens in Wakanda, or should I say, you know, the woods slightly off uh, outside of Wakanda uh, six years ago. And we see Bucky and Ayo, uh, one of the Dora Milaje, uh, and they are trying to deprogram Bucky and Ayo is running through the words from the Civil, uh, from Civil War that uh, Zemo was using to control Bucky. Um, to activate his Winter Soldier programming. And Bucky's sitting there and, you know, as she's saying the words, he's getting vis visibly upset. Um, great acting on Sebastian Stan's part, I will say, um, because he doesn't feel like this is going to work. And he, you see flashbacks from the Winter Soldier and from Civil War and every time that he was acting as uh, the Winter Soldier, as she's saying each of the words, she finally gets to the last word and uh, you can see on his face this just sense of relief and Io just says, you're free. 
uh, because it's the first time that those words did not trigger him and switch him into winter soldier mode. Um, so, you know, it's nice that they gave us the scene because it kind of shows us that Io and Bucky have a little bit of history here uh, from his time in Wakanda as the White Wolf. Um, did you guys like this scene? Did you uh, want to see a little bit more from Bucky's time in Wakanda? I thought it was great. And, you know, like I wasn't expecting anything from Wakanda to present itself in this show. And then like, you know, of course it makes perfect sense, you know, that they would be after Zemo, that, you know, Io and Bucky would like have like hung out and like formed a re like relationship, a bond, you know? And it was good to see, like, like, like you said, Kendall, that relationship, uh, because we had that cliffhanger at the end of episode three. So seeing mm -hmm. where their relationship stems back from uh, sets up uh, how they're going to interact during the rest of this episode. Yeah. So Io uh, flashes back to present day, and Io is basically running down all of Zemo's crimes. Uh, she says, you know, he, he blew up the UN, he murdered King T'Chaka, um, and the people who were responsible for him are sort of responsible for Zemo, you know, making sure that Zemo's locked up or, or dealt with. Um, and Io takes personal responsibility. We talked about last week, she was the guard, that the, the, the King's guard that was on duty that day with T'Chaka um, when the bombing happened. So she, she's kind of feeling this, this sense of loss and shame um, and Bucky just kind of tells her like, look, we still need Zemo. Uh, he's a means to an end, which I thought was a great throwback to uh, last week when Zemo told Bucky that he was a means to his end. Um, so a little bit of full circle there. Um, and you see the respect between the two of them because Bucky's just kind of straight up telling her like, look, I, I just, we still need him. Um, I'm not gonna give him up. And, and Io kind of gives him the once over and then says, okay, you've got eight hours and then we're coming. And I don't know if, if they didn't have that history that they, they showed us in Wakanda. I don't know if Io would be that forgiving uh, to give Zemo, to give Bucky the time to, to do whatever he needs to do. But when, when they said eight hours, you better believe they mean eight hours. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was great. Um, and, and, you know, from there, Bucky just immediately walks into the, the Zemo stronghold in, in Ziga and he just, flat out tells them like, hey, the Dora Milaje are here um, and they're coming for you, Zemo. So uh, we got to We got to get this done. I was really surprised to see Bucky just kind of spill the beans because we were saying last week, you know, is he setting him up? Did did, did he know that they were nearby? Um, but he just straight up tells Zemo, hey, Dora Milaje are here. Uh, what did you guys think about, you know, sort of Bucky's planning and, and they they start talking about here where they're they're talking about what Carly's doing and Sam still believes in her and Bucky's trying to tell her and Zemo's trying to tell uh, Sam that hey Carly's blown up the GRC building and people are dead. Um, I don't know if there's still anything left there for you to save. I think Bucky, uh, how he's planning it is very cards on the table. This is, you know, it's business. It's not personal. This is what we have to do. This is how we're going to do it. And uh, it's just, as a matter of like, I, he's really playing it as he has his ends, his end goal, and he's just going to do whatever he has to do 
to get there uh, by whatever means, uh, not to, to beat it uh, dead. But I, I think it's no, and and it kept popping up throughout the episode mm -hmm. too. So it's Means just, an yeah, and it's um, you know, that's his end. He's putting it all out there, and I think the, the arc with Sam and Carly, uh, definitely, I mean, tremendous throughout this episode, and and I don't think we're done with it. Mm. Yeah, the uh, you know, I definitely. And it makes it makes sense that Sam would be the the one who would want to like reach out, you know, especially you know, finding out how like young she is and like you know, like her end goal isn't isn't bad, and he's you know, as somebody who was you know snapped out of existence for five mm. years like he's also and they kind of go into it in the episode he's uh he's also feeling like the consequences of you know coming back to a world that's moved on without him meanwhile she is uh you know fighting for the oppressed people who we're free from that for five years and then, you know, everything goes back to the way it was. So it makes sense that the two of them would have a connection. Yeah, and, and let's we can talk about, I know we get it a little bit later in the episode, but we can talk about what Carly's motivations are, which we find out a little bit more here. Um, she is part of this group of people that feel like things were better during the blip, during the snap, when half the world's population was gone, because the world changed and the people, uh, you know, borders, they were able to kind of cross borders freely. Everybody's talked about this very generally, so we don't get any kind of, you know, real world examples. They're, they're not saying like, oh, you know, North and South Korea are united again or anything like that. But, you know, they do say that people who would have normally shut others out did allow outsiders in because they needed those other people to help rebuild to help carry on the lives i mean i imagine you know things like farming food production was probably very difficult if half of the, the skilled farmers who knew how to do these things were gone if half the delivery drivers i mean how do you keep supply chains up and and things like that um so you know there were a lot of uh, compromises going on during that that blip period and you know the world had to by necessity work together to to get through this and then once everybody came back it was sort of okay we're going to go back to business as usual you know borders go up um there's this grc global repatriation committee or council but apparently they're very bad with uh, managing supplies managing people and uh, security they, and too. security <laughs> um and they keep talking about six months there's this six month backlog six, six month log and i the only reference to six months i could find was that that was sort of the the date that the blip uh happened according to the show's timeline so i don't know if they're just saying that the grc hasn't sent out the supplies that they were supposed to throughout this entire period um or if there's some bigger thing at play here with that six months because we get another reference here where they were supposed to send some teachers um to one of the shelters and they hadn't done it in six months um and and i i don't know you know what that is but but yeah we get a little bit more about you know 
why Carly and the Flag Smashers are so passionate about this cause. And, you know, I think it's, it's also great that they set this up within six months or very recently after the, the end game battle. Because when you think of it, five years, the first two, three years, everyone's still adjusting to the new life, learning how to go about it. And then in year four and five, just common sense, you finally adapted to your new surroundings. You've accepted it. You're, you're maybe enjoying, appreciating it and, and thinking that fine, you could survive like this. And then to have everything upheaved, uh, again on you uh, is, I think anybody would feel what, what Carly is feeling right now and, and her and the Flag Smashers. Yeah, and it's it's very jarring and, and I'm sure traumatic for the people who were blipped back. I mean, to find out that, you know, maybe your old life is, is no longer as you knew it, maybe people moved on. I, I, I've seen a couple of threads about like, what happens to people who had spouses who declared them dead and, and remarried or started new families. I mean, it had to be really, really hard for the people who lost five years of their life and then were, were blipped back. But like Carly says here, you know, nobody's really giving much thought or much concern for the people who had to stick that five-year period out and um, had to survive and, and figure out how to do it. And now, you know, they're just kind of getting cast aside for uh, these other people who were, were just magicked back into existence. Um, so it, it's kind of nice to see both sides of this, um, you know, because I feel like the MCU and, you know, comics especially are guilty of this, where like a major upheaval event will happen. And then once the event's over, it's like life goes on, the, the general Marvel universe forgets about it, even though Marvel claims this will change the universe forever. You know, it usually gets swept under the rug, but uh, it's nice to see the MCU. Same way in the soap operas, same way <laughs> in my stories. <laughs> it's nice to see the MCU um, continuing these threads and, and following through with the consequences of, of Endgame. Yeah, uh, especially, uh, you know, after, uh, oh, God, what was the name of the second Spider-Man movie? Far From Home. Far From Home. You know, it was very convenient that Peter Parker's entire class, everyone he ever knew, was just blipped out for five years. And like that movie, you know, that was the first time we saw like a post blip Marvel universe, yes. mm -hmm. but it really didn't feel like anything had changed. You no, know? it was almost played as like a joke, right? Like they showed the, the, the band, uh, shout out to Wagner yeah. college, uh, the band getting blipped back into existence, but it was like, it was like a funny joke. It wasn't like the tr trauma of, you know, Aunt May <laughs> lost her apartment. And I think that was the only real consequence that we saw, um, in that. So, so yeah, good, good point. Uh, I wanted to bring up Zemo here because once again, he steals every scene that he's in. I, I think he's fantastic. I hope to see him continue past the series. Um, we'll see. Uh, but he lays out for Sam what his motivations are. And, and basically he, he's still very much the character other than finding out that he's obscenely rich. He's still very much the character that he was in Civil War in that he doesn't believe in superheroes. He doesn't believe in... Uh, teams like Avengers should exist because um, they give rise to supremacists and to uh, hero worship and things like that. And and the point that he's trying to make to Sam is, you know, the desire, just the desire to become a super person um, 
cannot be separated from supremacy. And I, I thought that was a great line. Um, Sam tries to bring up like, hey, you know, what about Steve? You know, what about Steve Rogers? And Zemo, to his credit, he, he kind of like concedes that point. He's like, you know, Steve is, yes, he's an exception, but there's not another, there's never going to be another Steve Rogers. We, we can't find another Steve. Um, so I, I thought that was a really good conversation that, that Sam and, and Zemo had just to kind of get where Zemo's head is in all this. He's a villain, yes, but he's not a villain that wants to rule the world or destroy half the universe. He just doesn't like superheroes. He wants them all to be gone. Again, I think carrying off of the conversation that we had last week, which again, very timely uh, in, you know, with everything that's gone on the last year uh, in terms of, of statues and in terms of who we idolize in terms of founding fathers or other presidents or other civic leaders here in the country, what happens when we worship them as heroes without acknowledging their flaws. Um, so it was good to see that underlying uh, discussion continue especially where we wind up with this. Right. It's one of the underlying themes of the show, it feels like, is, is sort of the, the dangers of hero worship and, and, and what that could lead to. Uh, they, Sam comes up with the idea of asking around about Danya Madane, which is the flag smasher who, uh, who passed away. Uh, or uh, so, no, she, maybe she wasn't part of the flag smashers, but she was at least a, an important person to Carly uh, in the last episode. And he said, you know, if she's a community leader, then there's probably going to be a funeral. Uh, you know, my TT, uh, we had <laughs> a funeral for her for like a week, you know, the community mourned for her. And we had a great moment where, you know, I think Zemo was like, what, what is a TT? What, what is a TT? And <laughs> Sam's like, it's my aunt, you know, my, my auntie. Um, I, I knew, I knew what he meant by TT, but you know, I know Zemo had, you know, we had to spell it out for the audience, but uh but I like how there was no other, you know, funeral that they could have compared it to. That there was no other, like, we've never had a funeral before. And this is the only one that we could compare it to in our history. Well, I mean, all the other funerals are somewhat private that we've seen, you know, the, the, the well, that's Tony true. Stark's yeah, funeral, Black Widow barely got a funeral. Um, yeah, they're all pretty quiet. Um, so, so this leads to Zemo, Sam, and Bucky going to uh, the uh, GRC you know, sort of shelter for the, the refugees. And Sam and Bucky, their their plan is to just walk around and basically yell, Danya Madanya, does anybody know where the funeral of Danya is? And it's like, what kind of plan is that? <laughs> Meanwhile, Zemo um, basically brings a stash full of Turkish delight and just starts handing them out to some kids. And you know, clearly, all he kids, needed was a was a, a a black van to be doing that out of. <laughs> clearly, oh, these I kids have him. never learned "Stranger Danger" uh, before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he starts singing uh, "Baba Black Sheep" and just you know talking to these kids and whipping out Turkish delight. And if if anybody has ever read you know the, the works of uh, T. S. Eliot and "The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe," they would know that you know if someone's offering Turkish delight to to children. Uh, bad things can it will only come of that um but basically your ombudsman here that's c.s lewis i don't want to um, any yes, letter yes 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 c.s lewis, C. S. lewis. <laughs> <laughs> thank you um but yeah so he hands the turkish delight to a little girl and he's like you know do you know about the funeral and of course the little girl knows all the details about the funeral um and then interestingly enough he points over his shoulder to sam and bucky and he's like 
you know, see those men, they're very bad. Don't, don't trust them. And uh, he walks back over to Sam and Bucky. And he's like, well, this is, this was useless. I lost all my Turkish delight. You know, he plays, plays very coy. Uh, like he doesn't know what he is uh, doing. And just at that point, at least Kristen and I thought that, oh God, here we go again. You know, they're going to be duped and taken advantage of and the bad guy <laughs> is going to get away. Not seeing, you know, ultimately what happens, but mm -hmm. it was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yep. We're yeah. Getting into another mess here. But that, that was a very great scene for Zemo. Oh, I, yeah, he's just like, very menacing but also like yeah like yeah, because you're like what is he gonna do with these kids like <laughs> what's happening here um it's, this is a man i think he really is approaching low-key status in my mind with with this series I, I feel the same way and and that's why i hope that like loki he gets a chance to continue um after mm -hmm. the series uh you know finishes up uh but you know zemo kind of flips the convention on its head and comes clean and tells Sam and Bucky that the funeral is going to be today. Um, but when they're asking him what time the funeral is going to be, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I know how this works. I am not going to tell you the time because as soon as I do that, I'm no longer useful to you and you're going to turn me in or whatever. So I have the leverage. And, you know, Bucky I thought that was brilliant. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. Bucky gets pissed off, starts smashing things and, you know, Zemo very calmly offers him some, uh, I think, cherry blossom tea, which I'm like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sam kind of calls him out. He's like, don't don't let him get to you, Bucky. You know, he's just going to do that head tilt thing. And, you know, he very, he very, yeah. <laughs> very subtly <laughs> like restrains his head because that's exactly what he was doing. Um, but, you know, with without any other leads, Sam decides to turn to Sharon Carter. Uh, he calls Sharon because apparently you mean the power broker there there's got to be a reason they keep they brought her back in this show I mean it's a really weird call because you would think Sam has a lot of other people on speed dial given his history with the Avengers actually and yeah so Kendall was not here last week and, and my prediction was that they set her up to be the power broker did we did you get that feeling at all in the episode do you have that feeling huh I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, she's like tracking, you know, Carly. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, she, but... she insists to Sam, she tells him on this phone call, she's like, oh, we've got to find Carly. Uh, I, I've got a satellite in the area, you know, do whatever you can to find Carly. And it's like, well, that's exactly what the power broker <laughs> is doing. He's trying to find Carly so he can get the, the, the vials of, of serum back. Yeah, and I mean, there has to be a reason we haven't seen the power broker's face. Uh, on the other hand, I'm hoping it's not like, I mean, and that's just the comic book reader in me. Uh, I know MCU and Marvel Comics Sharon Carter are very different characters. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just, it's just like, oh, there, there goes another, uh, another hero, quote unquote. But you know, it would it makes a lot of sense now that you say it. She also wanna, when I just want your friends at Level Up to make a post to me when that's revealed to be true, <laughs> and they heard it here first. Uh, All right. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Magnificent Monty, we will be sure to credit. <laughs> uh, so Sharon also gives us the update on Madripoor. She says that things are about to go real south because the power broker who runs all of Madripoor um, is very, very angry about these missing vials and the fact that Nagel is now dead. Um, they've killed the golden goose. So Sharon really plugged into the, the status of the power broker and <laughs> Matrapur and everything else. And the show, you know, making sure that we remember that Sharon Carter is still out there and still involved in this in some way. Uh, there, after this scene, there's a, a scene between Carly and one of the Flag Smashers. And I don't think we ever get a name for this person. So I'm just going to call him the Captain America fan. Um, and they have this conversation. They go to the grave site of the Captain America fan's grandfather. And we find out that the grandfather fought in World War II. And they kind of, uh, the, the, the guy talks to Carly about how he was such a big Cap fan. And, you know, back then the world was black and white. And now it's in shades of gray. And he feels that, you know, the best Captain America replacement would be Carly. Because at this point, Carly is questioning whether or not they're doing this the right way, if they should be creating more super soldiers, um, distributing the vials out and about and around. Um, and Cap Fan is like telling her, yes, like, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, you're, you're the one standing up for the people that no one's standing up for. And, and what else, you know, does Captain America do? And he also says something about how like this movement that they're starting is going to outlive the legacy of that shield. Um, which I thought was an interesting line here, given what, you know, we see later in the episode. But this speech emboldens Carly, and uh, she she's kind of, she collects all the vials, and she's like, yep, this is, this is what we need to do. Um, are you guys starting to feel any sort of sympathy for Carly's character, or the Flag Smashers, or you know, any, any, any sort of thing? It just feels like the show is trying to make them out not so much to be just out and out villains, but they also blew up a GRC building in the last episode and killed some people, which we find out is like the father of two. So like now these kids are going to grow up without a father and you know, there were innocent people inside. So how, how do you feel about the flag smashers at this point? Um, I mean, probably since like episode two, I feel like they've been kind of like, painting them as a little more like sympathetic than a typical Marvel villain would be. Um, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, like I'm kind of pro flag smasher. Um, <laughs> granted, like, you know, they did, you know, blow up a building and kill some innocent people. Um, Yeah, it's tough, it's, it's tough it's, right? It is tough. Like, I, th I think this week they did a very good job of humanizing Carly, making her sympathetic. And, and really by the end of the episode, you think that she's more lost and confused uh, than as a, as a, rather than a villain. Right, right. I mean, she's been thrust in sort of this leadership role at a young age and, um, you know, you can kind of see that even even that is is weighing very heavily on her. And, and that's another theme that we see throughout this episode is people who are in leadership positions uh, dealing with the pressure of, of being in those positions. 
because speak of the devil um in walks john walker and uh, his partner lamar hoskins and they bust into zemo's stronghold and Z- ziga and you know basically they're like look the party's over you know zemo you gotta turn him in uh and and sam and bucky try to explain like look no he's he's been very helpful he's provided us with some leads um we're gonna go and sam just lays out the entire plan for for john walker he's like i'm gonna go find carly at the funeral i'm gonna talk to her it's gonna be great i used to do counseling with vets which i'm really glad they brought that up again that was uh something that we saw in captain america the winter soldier and it's part of sam's backstory that he has uh this experience with counseling and but John Walker throws it back in his face. And he's like, yeah, I know the people you counseled, you know, and made it sound like um, Sam didn't do that great of a job or there's still some issues there. I don't know. They don't get into it much further than that. But basically, uh, Walker and Hoskins come with Sam and Bucky um, to the shelter and they're fighting them the entire way, you know, don't agree with the plan. Uh, Walker's getting more and more agitated that, you know, they have to be kind of patient with this. Uh, but I noticed Hoskins is the one that kind of calms him down. He's like, look, John, just like, let's see where they're going with this. You know, we'll figure this out. And Zemo's right here. You know, we can take him back later. Um, so it's it's Hoskins, the partner of of Walker, who kind of like calms the the, the room down, uh, which I thought was, was well played. And I uh, said to Kristen at this point, I said, I like this Hoskins. I hope he sticks around for a long time. I want to <laughs> see where they go with him. <laughs> Battlestar. Um, they tell Sam, uh, Walker tells Sam basically, like once they get to the shelter, they're like, all right, you get 10 minutes. You get 10 minutes to do it your way, uh, or and then then I'm gonna do it my way. And you know, even ask Bucky, he's like, you're gonna send your partner in there uh, with no backup with super soldiers. And you know, to this point, Bucky and Sam have, have almost been at odds. I mean, they, they were ready to fight each other like in, in episode two. And now Bucky's kind of like, well, he's not really my partner, but like how, now that you've said that, you know, how dare you? <laughs> he's kind of like defending uh, Sam. And he's like, this is Sam's plan. Sam knows what he's doing. Let's go with it. So, you know, we see the funeral. Uh, there's a group of, of the uh, people in the shelter uh, over the body of, of Donia. Carly's delivering the eulogy. It's beautiful one world, one people, all about, you know, how the Donia brought everybody together and, um, she sees Sam in the balcony and, uh, you know, to Sam's credit, he, he lets her finish. He hears her out before he even steps foot in, into the room. Uh, while this is all going on, they keep intercutting John Walker. And he's just like, he, he looks like a little kid when you tell the kid like, oh, you know, you can have ice cream in like five minutes because like, he's like, he can't sit still. He's and breathing he really heavily. That he handcuffs Zemo to the. Uh... Yes, yes, yes. He handcuffs Zemo to the to the to the uh, boiler, I guess that's that's there. Um, but he he's like holding his head like he's got a headache. Like he can't he can't sit still for some reason. And he keep like showing his just very twitchy and and jittery through this. Um, as the other mourners file out, we get this great conversation between Sam and Carly, where Sam is basically. Um, like we talked about before, Sam's kind of saying to her, you know, look, I, I understand where you're coming from, and but you're killing people. And, um, you know, I, I, I understand your fight, but I can't agree with the way that you're fighting your fight. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that he says to her that, that opens her eyes a little bit, he throws Zemo's words about supremacy 
to Carly and he says, you know, my, my, a friend of mine says that you're being a supremacist. You're, you know, handing out this serum and you're hurting people. And Carly, like at one point, kind of admits that like, oh, you know, I've got to go fight them if they're in my way. And then she's like, wait, 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 I didn't mean it to sound like that. Um, and Sam is kind of getting her to realize what her actions are looking like and, and that she's turning into the person that she's trying to, to stop and that people are getting, getting hurt along the way. Um, but <laughs> John Walker, who we I, I see- I call this the Chris Pratt moment of the episode. <laughs> John Walker, who we see, he has a little tussle with Bucky out in the hallway because um, he's getting impatient and Bucky sort of stands in his way and, and Walker looks at him and he's like, oh, this must be so easy for you. You've got that that super soldier serum running through your veins, you know, and you get this kind of hint of jealousy to Bucky and, and his power. Um, Walker does, but just as Sam is getting through to Carly, they're sitting down, like things seem calm. Walker busts in. He's like, you know, I'm John Walker. You're under arrest, you know, starting to throw out demands and threats. And the whole thing just goes pear-shaped. I mean, Carly starts running. Uh, Zemo's escaped the handcuffs. They show that the handcuffs are empty. Chaos, Flag Smashers start running in. You know, there's fighting everywhere. People are fighting each other. Um, it's, It's like a maze. They're trying to catch Carly, chase her. And, you know, the whole thing ends up uh, reaching a crescendo when uh, Carly runs into a hallway and all of a sudden there's Zemo at the other end and he's just straight shooting her, like trying to shoot her and he hits her in a couple spots and she falls over a table which also had the vials uh, in like a fanny pack sitting on top of it. The vials fall out onto the ground, they start rolling everywhere. Zemo walks up to him, looks at one, picks it up and there's this moment where you're like, is he about to drink the super soldier serum and become one i mean they, they they wait for like a beat and then he smashes it on the ground he starts stomping on the ones that are on the ground the vials and um you know basically he he's trying to destroy the serum like he's talked about before he catches captain america's shield to the face and <laughs> falls over and it's john walker and you know there's no one else that, as soon as carly sees walker she starts running um you know, she's bleeding out uh, and Walker is now standing above Zemo with the shattered vials on the ground and he finds one just sitting in a corner that has not been smashed. Picks it up, looks at it, and you're like, oh no. Oh no. Of all the people, this is the guy that we don't want to have this vial. I'd rather have Zemo have the dang vial than this guy right now. And he picks it up, looks at it, and he slips it in his pocket. Um, did you guys have any, any thoughts about uh, Walker obtaining the serum, Zemo smashing the serum, um, other than the Chris Pratt of the, of it all? Well, I mean, in the terms of we almost got, you know, resolution and then, uh, but no, I think it, it, and I'm sorry, Kendall, for jumping in, but I think it gave Zemo a lot of, of, uh, respect for his character and, and for him, uh, that he was true to his word. He was not trying to hoodwink, you know, our, our heroes at all during the series. He says, I want to destroy it. And there was that moment of hesitation where we're like, oh no, is he going to pull one over on them? But he was true to his word and, and he gained our respect by that. Uh, Walker, on the other hand, we were screaming at the television. <laughs> 
No, yeah, for sure. Like you said, um, you know, Zemo, because, yeah, I, I think, and that was just like, yeah, great direction, great writing. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're de- like, that's your first thought. Like, Baron Zemo, a bad guy. Oh, he's going to drink it, and they're going to have to have a punching match. Um, yeah. But just like, yeah, him like going through, like basically throwing that power away, standing true to himself, mm-hmm. you know, makes him so much. I mean, like, he's not a likable dude. He's a bad dude. But I do like, I mean, like, yeah. I, I appreciate that he basically, he laid out his ideals and he stuck to those ideals. I mean, he said, yeah. like, this is this is how I operate. This is what I feel. And that's what he's doing. I mean, he could have, even if he didn't want to take the serum himself, he could have pocketed it, sold it on the black market or something like that. But yeah. he doesn't want more super soldiers in the world. He wants to destroy them all. Yeah. And just like, how how lame is he after that? You know, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> uh, like him smashing that, like, he just feels more dangerous. So question for you guys. Do you think that between his smashing and Walker picking up that one vial, did they get all 20? He didn't look to be 20. Do you guys think that there might be some some other ones either down in that basement or floating around somewhere else? I don't know. I mean... I wouldn't be surprised, um, but you know, I also, I feel like this is like turning out to be like a really great story and I'd rather them not tap this well again, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, in the Marvel universe, how many uh, pseudo super soldiers are running around, you know, in the comics? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just looking for potential threads that may be pulled later on, you know, if need be. Um, Carly and Captain America fan uh, kind of assess the situation after this uh, when they get a moment to escape and cool down and, and they confirm, you know, the vials have been destroyed. Um, and Carly is just saying like, oh, you know, what were the chances that we'd all be assigned to the same quarters um that we'd all have a chance to meet we would normally probably hate each other or or be at odds because they had different they've done a good job of showing the flag smashers of people of different nationalities um different backgrounds different ages different genders you know and just trying to show that this is really you know a whole bunch of people thrown together and uh, they're they're all working together um the power broker texts her friend I guess the, the other guy from the episode last uh, who also doesn't have a name and it's, you know, the, the basic threats, I will kill you. You know, I want the power back. I want the serum back um, and, and all that. And, and her friends are telling her like, look, we can't fight this war on multiple fronts. We've got Sam and Bucky on one end and new cap after us. And we've got the power broker after us. And, and what are we going to do? And, Sam or Carly, to her credit, she kind of takes all the information in and she says, look, I've, I've got a plan, but first we're going to kill, we're going to kill the new Captain America and we're going to separate uh, Bucky and, and Sam from, from them and, and kill them too, if we have to. But um, it seems like she still believes in, in Sam. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. 
this is not where, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with her a little bit later. Before we get to that, there's this, this scene in the, the Zemo compound when uh, Zemo is, he's got like the cold compress on his head to try to like recover from taking the shield to the face. He asked Sam, you know, would you have taken the serum? Have you ever been offered the serum? And Sam says, no. And then he says, would you have taken it if you had been offered? And right away, Sam says, no. And Zemo is, is impressed. He says, you know, that was without any kind of hesitation um, that, you know, you would just turn down that kind of power. That's, that's very impressive. Um, but again, Zemo's trying to get into Sam's head here too a little bit. And he tells him, you know, Carly is gone. There's, there's, there's nothing there. Um, super soldiers can't be allowed to exist. We've, we've got to get rid of them. And Sam throws back at Zemo a question that we had last week, which was, well, what about Bucky? I mean, Bucky is technically a super soldier. You're working with him. Are you going to kill him? I mean, is that part of your, your mission? Is that part of your plan? Before Zemo can answer, our good friend John Walker comes busting in again and orders them basically to hand Zemo over. He says, look, you know, enough is enough. It's time. Um, Sam turns him down and says, look, he's been more helpful than you've been, which is true. <laughs> um, and th- this is where New Cap, feeling like he's pretty cocky, arrogant, he's like, okay, you want to do this? Do, should I put the shield down? Will that make it easier? And I was like, oh, oh, he's looking for a fight now. And before we get the fight, in in bust, I, you know, I, with with the, the vibranium she, uh, uh, spears, the Dora Milaje. And it's time's up. Uh, the, the eight hours have expired. True to their word, they're here to collect Zemo. And just this, this crazy fight breaks out because... John Walker, thinking that he'll be, oh, I'm, I'm Captain America. He's like introducing himself to the Dora Milaje. You know, don't you know who I am? You know, so, sort of like that. And, and and they say, no, look, we're taking Zemo. You know, it, it, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he goes, well, you, you, don't, you don't have jurisdiction here, which is, you know, it's kind of funny for him to say because he's operating in like a foreign country and his yeah. jurisdiction is pretty questionable. Yeah. <laughs> Loved the response from the Dora Milaje. The Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje happen to be, which I was like, oh, uh, I, I need to remember that for the next time I have a, a civil procedure issue, uh, su- uh, sub- some jurisdiction that question. That will not cure a personal jurisdiction <laughs> defect, though, I can assure you. Uh, you know, for, the, for you lawyers in the audience, uh, there's, a, there's a jurisdiction joke for you. Um, New Cap makes one one mistake, and uh, it's a pretty bad one. But he's like, I, I, you know, I think we got off to the wrong foot. And he puts his hand up. And the second he raised his hand, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Because he tries to put it on Ayo's shoulder, and he barely even, like, he doesn't even get to touch her. And she instantly, wham, knocks him into the, sh- the spears in the back. He falls to the ground, and, like, this this massive fight breaks out. And it was great. I mean, this was like, get your popcorn ready, watch the Dora Milaje go to work because I mean, it was beautiful. They, they are uh, surgical, precise in their, their movements. Uh, they took down Hoskins in the background. They took down Newcap without any, any issue. Sam looks to Bucky and he's like, should we, uh, should we jump in here? And uh, like Zemo's in the back corner sipping uh, whiskey or, or cherry blossom tea. And it's just great. Like this, this was a great moment. And Bucky, <laughs> with his arms crossed, is just like, yeah, you're looking strong, John. <laughs> it's like, yes. 
um but eventually they do decide to jump into this this fight and it doesn't go very well for them either i mean the, the dormelage take down sam take down bucky io in this crazy moment just walks up to bucky and she's just like and his arm just falls off his vibranium arm which was given to to him by wakanda uh falls off to the ground bucky looks shocked hurt betrayed maybe um and in all of this chaos though zemo just kind of quietly walks over to like a side room closes a door and he's gone he he escapes uh, pulls an El Chapo, as Sam will, will later say, because we see like a, an open like sewer grate or something with like a bathtub pushed aside. So Zemo, Zemo's gone. Um, this, oh, in the battle, the Dora Milaje uh, also like end up with uh, Captain America's, well, new Captain America's shield. Um, one of the Dora Milaje and I was like, oh, are they going to take the shield? Are they going to take it? You know, because she's standing there with the shield and once they see that Zemo's escaped, uh, they're basically done with, with the situation. So Io tells her, you know, drop the shield. And I was like, oh, darn it. No, don't give it back. Um, and, and they leave. But uh, we get this great moment where John Walker's sort of like picking up his teeth and, and stuff off the floor. And he's just like, they weren't even super soldiers. And they, they, they defeated him. So how did you guys feel about this crazy Dora Milaje battle? I thought it was pretty sweet. Uh, love seeing, uh, love seeing uh, John get his uh, get his butt kicked, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's that thing. Marvel loves it, you know. Mm. Get get all the people who should be on the same side together and have them uh, beat the crud out of each other. <laughs> but I, I I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, and I hope we uh, revisit the, the Bucky uh, uh, arm situation again, at, that he could have that conversation with Io, uh, because it, w- it seems to be it was a fail safe mm-hmm. put in by the Wakandans uh, that we're going to help him, but we have to make sure that we are still in control of him at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that seemed as, you know, was a surprise for everybody, including Bucky. Uh, that that was uh, there like that. So I think that was very clever uh, for them to do and, and, and to be brought out in this uh, scenario at this point in time. Yeah, and it's, I was surprised that, um, you know, cause we were saying that there's a lot of, of different groups that this show is trying to balance uh, towards the end of the last episode. So I was kind of surprised that, you know, they're in, they're out, this is it. But it makes total sense for the way that the Dora Milaje would operate and it would also make sense if this is the end of, of their presence in the show and the end of Zemo's presence in the show as well. I mean, it feels like they, they kind of got um, everything that they needed to out of him. And, um, you know, if his character could just be lost in the wind until they, Marvel decides to pick him back up again, that would be fine with like me. Like Loki picking up the Tesseract. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so maybe, you know, is this the end of, of Zemo? Is this the last time we'll see the Dora Milaje for now? Um, we'll see. But if it is, I, I'm completely fine with with this being the, the conclusion because I, I think it was a great, great push that this episode needed. Yeah, I think uh, if 
the Duro Malaje will be after Zemo. So I feel like if we bring Zemo back, there, you know, we'll have to bring them back. And with only two episodes left, I could see them both, you know, they go back to their their little corners until the next project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we get the sort of licking their wounds scene next between Walker and, and Hoskins and they're sitting like at this, this outdoor plaza or something and uh, Walker asks Hoskins, like, if you had the chance to, to take the serum, would you do it? And it's sort of a, a mirror of the scene between Zemo and Sam because here Hoskins is like, hell yeah, yeah, I'd take it. You know, you know no hesitation, but he'd be, he's definitely sure to take it. And they get into a little bit more of like the history between them. Apparently, you know, we remember John had those three uh, medals of honor, you know, and crazy stats, but apparently like there was some murkiness going on and they were involved in Afghanistan, which I wrote down because that was sort of tied back into uh, Tony Stark's backstory in the first Iron Man um, where he, he suffered the, the wound. Um, so I don't know if that's going to come into play anywhere, but I wrote it down. Um, but basically, the, the the day that they got those three medals of honor was the worst day of John Walker's life, and um, they're, they're, they must have lost some people, and some things went down that maybe you know the, the government doesn't know about or they don't want to talk about because um, it sounded like from this conversation that maybe what they did was not as honorable as uh, has been advertised. And uh, Hoskins asks uh, Walker, you know, if we had the serum that day just think of how many lives we could have saved and it's like oh no like you just keep you know nudging him in that direction um and you know i think walker ends this conversation by saying you know i, I just want to do something right and if if being captain america is the thing that i get right like I, I i want that to be my thing and it's like oh you know you see him kind of like at the diving board edge you know, ready to jump in to, to do whatever it takes. Uh, did this opinion, did this conversation change your opinions of, of Walker or, or Hoskins or no? Okay. Okay. All right. No, move no, along, no. Move along. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, the next scene we see is uh, Carly decides that uh, she's going to try to threaten Sam's family. She calls Sarah, Sam's sister, on the phone, um, and she basically says, "Like, hey, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to kill your your brother if he's working for the new Captain America." And Sarah basically tells her, "Like, no, you know, there's no way Sam's working for that man." Um, and she has a great line here where where she says, basically, like, America doesn't care about about me and 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 my my history. So why should I care about its mascots? Which is like, wow, like that's that's pretty pretty bold um, and pretty in line with what we've seen, you know, in the first couple of episodes where, you know, the show has kind of drifted away a little bit, I feel like, from some of the social uh, commentary that it, it was making in those first couple of episodes. This this line just kind of brought it back home again where, you know, it's 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 true. Like, you know, the, this, this Captain America figure, the, the icon that they're trying to make him out to be, doesn't necessarily represent all of America. And uh, Carly's kind of surprised to hear that because she expects everybody to be like, you know, red, white, and blue. Yeah, let's go. Um, and and yeah, I, I think that's pretty representative of the country as a whole right now. Um, but, you know, Carly makes the the next step. She, she goes that one step further and decides to say, you know, all right, well, I want to see Sam. Tell him to come alone. 
or else I'm going to come and visit you on the dock. Oh, and your son and your other son. And like, you know, just tries to like threaten Sarah. And it's just like, oh, you know, we were rooting for you, Carly. <laughs> but now you're, you're trying to make threats to, to little kids and Sam's family. And, you know, not, not that great. So naturally, Sarah tells Sam. Sam then tells Bucky. And then Sam decides he's going to go meet Carly. And even though she said, come alone, he's going to bring Bucky too. So, you know, doesn't, doesn't listen to any of the uh, instructions and uh, decides that he's going to go over there and, and meet up with Carly. Uh, so we get another conversation between Sam and, and, uh, and Carly when they, when they go over, she sees that Bucky's there with him and, you know, she sees that he didn't come alone, but she, she basically says like, look, I didn't mean to threaten your family. I wasn't going to hurt them. I just wanted to get your attention. Um, I thought that you were, you know, a tool of the regime, but now I see that you're, you're not hiding behind a shield. You know, you, you are somebody different, you know, that, that you say you are. Um, and she offers Sam to join her um, or just stand back and let her do her thing. Like that's what her final, you know, kind of ultimatum to Sam is. And that conversation again gets interrupted because Sharon ch chimes in to Sam and is like uh I'm tracking new cap and you know he's he's almost at your position which I thought this was interesting because Sharon's instructions were not to track new cap her instructions were to watch the the camp you know for Carly and the flag smashers and stuff so you know the fact that she has like this tracking on John Walker uh, interesting, you know, something to, to kind of jot down as we we follow the how Sharon Carter is going to play into all this. And, you know, once again, John Walker shows up and all hell breaks loose. I mean, this is where we get this huge battle uh, between Walker, the Flag Smashers, Sam and Bucky. Um, they, they end up kind of getting separated where Bucky's fighting, you know, on his own and, and Sam and, and New Cap are together and, and fighting together. Um, which I, I thought, you know, for a minute there, it looked like they were kind of, you know, working together as a team and, and doing well together. Um, New Cap is, is, he gets separated from Hoskins. Hoskins ends up getting taken captive and, and uh, bound with zip ties and stuff. Um, and, you know, Walker is like frantically looking around for him. He gets in a fight with a, a flag smasher and in the process, he throws his shield and it gets embedded into a wall, like a concrete wall. And it's at that point that you're like, whoa, did he do what we think he did? Because that's not something you would normally, you know, be able to do. Um, and he gets into a fight with a flag smasher on the stairs and the, the flag smasher is holding like an iron rod or something. And, and Sam is in the hallway too. And he sees basically new cap, like kick the flag smasher into a wall, take the iron rod and like bend it with his hands. And Sam just looks at him. He's like, what did you do? Cause now Sam is also starting to put the pieces together. Um, you know, throughout this fight, it was really neat to see the different ways that Sam and was using his abilities, knowing that he's up against super soldiers. I really liked seeing he was using the jetpack. I noticed more to like put some oomph into his punches, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, you know, before we get to sort of the conclusion of the fight, was there anything that you guys wanted to talk about, you know, about this fight or the lead up to it? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Standard Marvel action. Yeah, I think so. And then you know, but that that reveal, like you said, when he uh, when he bends the uh, the iron uh, uh, pipe, that was that was the best part. I think of yeah. the fight sequence. Yeah. Did 
Did either of you think there was a chance he was not going to take the serum? I I think well, it's hard because I kind of I have some of the comic history too that I'm I'm thinking about while I'm watching this. Um so I thought that the serum was going to be inevitable. Um you know, part of me was wondering if he had already taken the serum um, before this episode even started, like if they had experimented with him before and and because he showed an ability to, to use the shield and, and everything very fast. And they talked about, you know, how his body was so enhanced and all this stuff. So part of me was wondering if he had already taken some form of it uh, before this. Um, but yeah, I mean, either it was going to be here in this moment or it was going to come into play, you know, in one of the next two episodes. But I, I thought that the serum was was an inevitability. Same, either we were going to see that he had already taken it, or or see him having a, a discussion with one of the the characters and then taking it following that discussion. So it was not a big surprise for us. Yep, yep. So we end up in a situation where you know all four of our our principal heroes. Um, are all in a room with the flag smashers and uh, you have Hoskins has, you know, he, he uh, got himself out of his binds and uh, knew uh, the Captain America fan who was talking to Carly before about, you know, how much he respected Captain America and everything else. He's got John Walker in sort of like a, a body lock, you know, holding him back and Carly advances on him with a knife and is about to go to stab him and Hoskins comes out of nowhere and, and tackles her out of the way, pushes her aside in response to that, she punches Hoskins and he flies clear across the room into a concrete pillar and you see his neck just sort of go limp and uh, he goes limp and it, it you know, he, he's like a trickle of blood out of his mouth and it, it doesn't look good. He's not moving. And so at that point, you know, Carly and the Captain America fan, they, they take off running um, and Walker runs up to Hoskins and he's trying to, you know, touch his face and, and check for vital signs. And it, it pretty clear, it looks like Hoskins is dead. Um, although I do see there's a little bit of debate about that on online. People are wondering if, really? you know, he may not be really dead or, or, you know, if he's not really dead, it may make what happened next even worse. <laughs> but uh, to John Walker, you know, Hoskins looks dead. And uh, in response, you know, Bucky and, and Sam start running after the Flag Smashers and we see um, John Walker, you know, look at a window and he's got a shield in his hand and he just runs, books it for the window, jumps through the window and lands on a car. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably the most Steve Rogers thing that he's done this entire show because <laughs> yeah, I, I swear very, uh... we saw Steve do that like in Avengers or, you know, one of the other movies at least two or three times. Uh, he lands on the car and uh, he's down on the ground floor outside and you see uh, he, he catches sight of uh, new cat or new uh, Captain America fan. Uh, may, I, may I pause now and, and give yes. the historical context? Yes. Yes. Uh, for what's about to happen. So episode starts and then the title pops up on the screen. The whole world is watching and my mind goes to one place and that's 1968. Chicago, the Democratic National Convention. And it is when the student protesters protesting the Vietnam War and fighting for civil rights gather in Grant Park because that's where the Mayor Daley did not want them around the convention center. 
and they get into on the, the one of the last days of the convention into the fight with the police and the police are beating these protesters and the television cameras are rolling and they are doing a cut from the convention, all the news to these the police beating these protesters and the protesters start chanting, the whole world is watching, the whole world is watching. And this is the first time because of the power of television that America sees its law enforcement, sees its government as potentially not the, the heroes that we thought that they were uh, up until this point in time. So that is playing in my head the entire mm -hmm. episode until this moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, also it's, it's been used as a rallying cry for a lot of the, the protests that we've seen over the last, you know, more recent years too, um, you know, with, with a lot of the uh, different, um, you know, different incidents that, that have happened recently. So, you know, the, this, this cry keeps coming back. The whole world is watching, the whole world is watching. And it's, it's something that, um, you know, a, a lot of people have top of mind, you know, in that same, same context. John Walker uh, sees the guy who was holding him back, who was our Captain America fan uh, from earlier in the episode. And he corners him against the statue. He, he knocks him over um, and he's, he's down on the ground. And Captain America, new cap, walks up to him with the shield. And the guy, you know, he puts his hands up and he, he basically he says, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And we see John Walker just raise the shield up over his head. And for a second, like there's a pause. And that's where I'm like, wait a minute, is is Disney going here? Like, what are what's about to happen? Very reminiscent of Civil War when you had Steve Rogers, when he had Tony Stark down on the ground. He also had raised the same shield. Well, I guess same shield, different timeline <laughs> over his head. But in this case, John Walker brings it down and smashes uh, into the, the, this, uh, this man on the ground. And then he doesn't just do it once. He does it a second time and a third time. And each time, you know, they show the crowd with their cell phones out, all pointed towards Walker recording this. And, you know, you see the blood dripping down uh, the, the man's arm as he's down on the ground. He's silent and he's not moving and, and Walker just bashing him with, with the shield over and over again. And Sam and Bucky arrive, uh, you know, a little bit too late. They, they get there and they see from the crowd, you know, what has happened as Cap, he, he stands up and he starts looking around and, and you know, he just looks so uh, like, a, like, a, like an animal at this point. I mean, he's like just, he's breathing heavy and he's, he's just, his eyes are darting around the whole crowd. And, uh, you know, you see Carly and she's looking on in horror from, from the crowd. And all of a sudden the camera pans out and it, it, it's John Walker standing there with the shield and there's blood splattered on the bottom, the bottom corner of the shield. And then it cuts to, to the credits and it's like this really like solemn music as that's the last image that you see. And it's, it's a very haunting image of this, this man, you know, decked out in the red, white, and blue, the Captain America colors, and he's holding the shield. And it's just, it's, it's covered in, in this man's blood. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, 
there's a lot of people asking, did, did he decapitate the guy? I mean, it, it, it's kind of, you know, vague. Uh, I think they're trying not to get, uh, you know, too, too high of a rating, you know, for, for the gore. Um, but it's, it's a dark moment. And I think it's, it's one of the darkest ones that we've seen in the MCU in some time, especially given the context, given the, the symbolism. Um, this, this is going to be interesting to see how they wrap this up. There's two episodes left. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I'll start with uh, Kendall. You know, what, what are your thoughts, you know, at the end of this as, as that's that scene just goes right to credits and you see Captain America with. The yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I imagine this is going to maybe piss some people off uh, that Marvel and Disney decided to, to go here. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very powerful image and um it just it's like a you know this tale is you know in in some ways as much about john walker as it is you know sam and bucky um and i think it's like a a good so getting to getting a little like real Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm I think there are people in the world who like don't understand like how like like law enforcement like how that like you know how that power how that like gives people complexes mm-hmm. um so I think this series has been doing a good job of like showing that through John Walker. Cause like when we, when we first like see him without his mask in episode two, you know, he's like, it's like, Oh, he's like, he's got like the jitters. He's like, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's and then like we, we see him like he starts there and then he like, is getting like cocky and, mm-hmm. and arrogant and then he's getting like angry like why aren't people respecting me and you know it's all building up to this so um yeah i thought it was pretty wild but i i'm stoked to see where it goes yeah all right marvelous mike what do you think about the uh, new captain america standing there with the bloody shield I, I think it was an allegory. I think this whole series has been an allegory for, for America. And, and just, you know, going back to what I said, you're comparing it to 1968. Uh, now seeing it, the, the entire world is going to see the emblem of America in a way that uh, it has never seen before. And, and the ramifications of that outside of just for John Walker, but as a country uh, as a whole, and maybe you know some soul searching as to what they need to focus on and, and what a hero should be uh, in America. So I think that story continues to to be a parallel. And I think you know two episodes to go. There's a lot to to catch up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wonder if there'll be we'll get a little longer maybe in the in the penultimate and final episode, uh, or are they going to leave it where they're going to do another season? Yeah, and no uh, end credit sequences yet either like no no mid credit no end credits um i saw it put this way and i thought this was really really poignant 
Uh, Steve Rogers is what America imagines itself to be. And John Walker is how the world sees America as it really is. Um, you know, violent, impatient, vengeful. Um, I just thought that that was a really good kind of kind of way to, to put it. And um, I, I did a little bit of research for this episode just to see sort of what the reaction was. And I, I would say surprisingly, but I, I can't unfortunately say surprisingly, there are a lot of people that are arguing that John Walker did nothing wrong. And that, you know, it's, it's not as shocking as it should be, but they're basically making the point that, you know, he was trying to stop this known terrorist who did kill, you know, as part of an organization that killed uh, innocent civilians. And there was a, an ongoing threat uh, to this general public and um, that the, the man himself being a super soldier is a threat. Um, and so John Walker was doing what he felt was necessary to eliminate the threat. And, you know, that, that line of thinking kicked off a whole mess of discourse, you know, through, through the internet. And you know, these are conversations that I think we, we as a country are having as a whole in, in terms of like what you were saying, Kendall, you know, what law enforcement's role is in, in um, trying to keep the peace, you know, and, and, and the abuse of power that, that we've seen um, in, in many instances, especially of late. So, you know, to see a defense of John Walker, I, I, I do wonder if this show is going to try to go down that road because, you know, there's two episodes left and, you know, whether or not there's going to be consequences for this action, they clearly showed that Walker was being recorded um, and this was being broadcast to the world, whether or not there are going to be actual consequences in the show, maybe, you know, at the end, but at first um, would be an interesting, it is an interesting question that I have um, and, or whether they're going to try to present this, this defense of Walker um, to try to maybe not rehabilitate the character, but, you know, at least justify the action uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, listen, I would, I would like to think they uh, will follow through and we'll get, you know, some kind of closure on the subject. Because, you know, it's not like they were even fighting, you know, they were fighting earlier, but this was an outright execution, you know, like... And that was recorded by all those people. So yeah. I'm sure we'll see we'll see some fallout from it. But yeah, there's only two episodes to go. There's so only two episodes left. And you know, some of the other arguments were that, you know, the Avengers have killed people. Sam Wilson, we we pointed it out in episode one. He was throwing people out of helicopters and, and blowing them up. So, you know, killing has not been off the table for our heroes before. Um but I think, like you said, Kendall, it's kind of the, the way that this happened. You know, the man was on the ground and, you know, for all intents and purposes, he was incapacitated. And it was the second hit and the third hit. And, you know, the, the, the just going on much longer than it needed to, 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 to make a message. You know, it felt very much like this was revenge for uh, the killing of Hoskins and, and maybe Walker's way to show the world that, now that I had the serum, I'm to be taken seriously. Can you 
was that quote that you sent me the other day was that the original uh, from the first captain oh Marvel yeah movie? yeah yeah so um i i sent like a quote uh from the first from uh dr erskine from uh stanley tucci's character from captain america the first avenger and there's a great scene between him and steve rogers pre-serum where he tells steve you know the the serum um, it, it amplifies, you know, w what you have inside of you already. That's all that it does. So if you are already a good man, you'll become a great man. But if you were already um, uh, wicked or something or evil, it will make you, you know, horrible, supremely horrible. And, and um, that that concept comes up again. It, it comes up in the, the, the dialogue between Hoskins and Walker, where Hoskins is like, oh, yeah, I think it just amplifies what's already in, in you. Um, and you saw the quote, I'm sorry, just good becomes great, bad becomes worse. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you know, it's funny because there was a subplot in the first Avenger, um, which would be great to go back and watch, you know, after watching this, where the US Army has a candidate in mind for the serum, uh, who is like the guy who is, uh, he's passing every test, he's like the best, he's the strongest. Um, and, and Erskine tells him no. I, I don't want the best soldier. I want a good man, you know, to, to do this. So, you know, here we're getting to see what that world would have been like if they picked the best soldier um, to, to be Captain America and, you know, the qualities that are being amplified here. Um, but, you know, again, I, I say this because I know that there's going to be viewers that are very frustrated, I think, coming, coming up. But I, I, I just given the way that the current temperature of the world, sometimes there are defenses that are are made for some of these types of actions, and and you know the American government is not one to to admit that it makes mistakes. So um, I could definitely see there being some sort of a, an attempt at justification, maybe not in the the proposed narrative of the show, but at least um, you know through. Uh, you know, and, and proven wrong maybe later, uh, but I could see them definitely trying to trying to rehabilitate the character. After all, after episode two, like I told you guys before, they ended up selling John Walker Captain America t-shirts and keychains and lunchboxes. And well, don't you all <laughs> feel foolish now? I, I hope two weeks is is a quick enough time to to return all those items. Um, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, uh, whether or not you know. We'll see that. I, I guess stands stands to be to be seen the next couple episodes. All right, predictions time. Uh, do you guys have any predictions you want to throw out there other than Sharon Carter, the power broker? I'm riding high on that one. I don't need to. I don't need to be. You know, have more right stuff said. Zemo off the create the thunderbolts. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. That would be interesting. You know. <laughs> They did, they did make a point of, you know, reinstating his intentions with Bucky. So he's, yeah, yeah. like you said, he's not above using super soldiers, even a though means he to an himself, end. yeah, that would be cool. Any, any predictions, Kendall, for where you see the story going from here? <sighs> yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Nothing. Yeah, no real predictions. I do like that Sharon Carter theory. I hadn't thought of it at all, but it it makes a lot of sense. Um, 
Hmm. One one host didn't seem to think so last week. I uh, well, I mean, I said it could have been many people. Um, I did tell you I thought it was someone we've met before. You know, I think that that's what it'll lead up to. But Kendall, you know, coming at it from the comic book perspective, I also was like, well, if they make it Sharon Carter, it'll make things kind of weird. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. it's a possibility. I mean, it, it, they haven't they haven't been opposed to changing comic book characters for the MCU you know, as we've seen, so. Yeah, which I like. Mm-hmm. I want to be surprised by these stories. Um, yeah, I, and I've never been, you know, one. I, I want to see a direct adaptation of anything. That Nothing to me seems more boring than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one internet theory I've seen that I, uh, I just want to throw out there for to see if it sticks to the wall, the power broker, is none other than Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2. <laughs> that's one one thing that I saw thrown out there. Um, I don't know if that's going to be reality because it was recently announced that he's coming back uh, for the Armor Wars uh, show that is going to be on Disney+. Plus. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, featuring uh, Rhodey. James Rhodes is going to be coming back um, to uh, kind of clean up the mess that's left after Tony Stark has now passed away. Um, so they're doing. I've loved Don Cheadle since he was in the Golden Palace. Ill-fated <laughs> spinoff of the Golden Girls. Let me. We tell couldn't you. get out of the podcast without a Golden Palace reference. <laughs> That's your next podcast. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, before we go, does anybody have anything else to say about uh, this episode or or anything else? I just, well, two things. I was really, you know, proud of my of my Chicago 1968 theory, and, and you didn't really give me the credit that I thought I deserved for that one. So I am very impressed <laughs> by you bringing the historical context into into the and show. I I think by the end of this series, we will it will be uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Carly working together. Hmm. Okay. Taking down John Walker. I think that's where we're going in the next two episodes. Okay. And if they only have to team up as a means to an end. Okay. Do you think that we see a Captain America by the end of this show? Will there be a new Captain America or has the symbol now been tainted? I think it's tainted and I think it'll be up to Sam to uh, rehabilitate that image. Yeah, I, I really want to see Sam Wilson, Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know. I was that... also, I'm sorry. Can we just I do, just to go back because my original theory that when he that he never gave the shield, I thought in the fight uh, when uh, with, um, with with the uh, soldiers from Wakanda uh, that they were going to realize that the shield was not the actual shield made of of the steel, and I was so excited to be right for that. But oh I, yes, that was a, a crazy theory that we had last week that maybe John Walker didn't have the real vibranium shield but uh unfortunately that that was not to be um i do want to say this uh just a little bit more context from from the comic book perspective um sam wilson captain america when that series came out um you know a lot of people were very excited but it was at a time when marvel was changing a lot of its legacy heroes over and i think a lot of longtime comic book readers gave that series a, a hard time and didn't really give it a fair shake um, and you know, it sort of, and it got caught up in some events and then it, it ended very quickly, but there was always a sentiment among a lot of the comic book community, um, that Sam Wilson is not Captain America, shouldn't have been Captain America. They want Steve Rogers back, you know, bring back the original. 
And I think that the MCU is structuring this in a very good way. Whereas if they had Sam take up the shield and become Captain America from the get-go, I think we would have seen that same group of people saying the same thing of Sam Wilson is not really Captain America, doesn't deserve to be Captain America. You know, he's the side character. I don't want to see that. But the MCU instead shows us the absolute worst person that could be Captain America doing these terrible things so that by the time Sam does pick up the shield, if he picks up the shield and becomes Captain America, um, we'll, we'll see that sort of as a, as a relief and, and understand why he is uh, suited to be that, that role. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I had been thinking about that for a while and, and why the series is sort of structured the way that it is. Um, and, and that just kind of made a lot of sense to me, just living through the reaction to Sam Wilson, Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, comics, I mean, you know, the, the big two superhero comics, they're, they're, you know, they're kind of fated to forever be, you know, like Steve Rogers, he'll never get a break, you know, because, you know, since since the 40s, he's been chucking the shield around. And the MCU, just like the nature of like film and actors, I, I look forward to kind of a rotating passing of the torch for not only like specific, you know, characters being legacy characters, but like, you know, it's, it's going to be cool that like, you know, we're stepping away from Iron Man and like, Mm -hmm. you know, Shang-Chi might be the next like breakout star of the the MCU. And like, I look forward to that. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I hope that they don't use the multiverse because they're going they're moving towards the multiverse. It's it's one of the it's in the title of the next Doctor Strange movie. They don't use that as sort of a, an easy reset point, you know, to try to bring back. Well, this is the Captain America from this universe, and this is the Tony Stark from this universe, and, and then bring it all back again. I, I don't think they're going to go that way because they are introducing a lot of these um, the, sort of the second generation, the Young Avengers. Um, it seems like they're going to give a few other heroes time to shine. Um, but, you know, I think they may be keeping that in their back pocket to say, oh, well, we've got a multiverse now. So if we want a new Captain America and a new actor, you know, we'll just, whoop, this is Earth 365's Captain America. You know, it's just <laughs> how they're going to handle that. So we'll see. But uh, we've run on for a little longer than than, than normal. So I, I do want to. We get overtime. Uh, overtime. <laughs> Well, I will say, if you guys have anything to plug, you know, now's, now's the time. There's usually, a, what, what is the minty conversation of this week? Uh, yeah, I just want to say, since I've started plugging it on this show, viewership has gone down on, on the <gasps> minty show. So I'm going to wow. I'm gonna lay off on plugging anything this week. Oh, okay. All right. Kendall, what are you guys working on? Um, Yeah, check out me and my wife's uh, comic. You can find us at Star Savior Bunny on Instagram. That's all. All right. Go there and, and check it out. 
uh, and for for level up, you know, we're getting closer to, uh, you know, an opening date for the Summers Point location. It's looking really great. I'm hoping that uh, when we have the conclusion of this series, maybe we'll have, you know, a little bit more to, to announce. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's looking really good. So if you're in the uh, South Jersey area, be sure to stay tuned to check out the uh, level up site B, uh, you know, coming soon. We should do a podcast at the grand opening. <laughs> socially distanced and yes. uh, you know everything but uh you know that maybe that will be a thing we'll see i'll come down for that wow okay all right we will see uh so for uh the world is watching episode four falcon and the winter soldier we are through this is now the beginning of act three uh two episodes left we'll see what happens um i thank you very much kendall and mike for joining me i uh, appreciate you guys and your time as always uh, I am Harry, and we will catch you next week to be continued.